All right, welcome back to Lovecraft Country, episodes four through six review. We have everybody with us. Raven is finally with us now. Or as hey, we call everybody. her Rogue Akram now. We have changed her name to Rogue Akram. Shout hey. out to Teddy Simpson. Teddy yeah, Simpson, I'm telling you. Patrick Mahomes. No, dog, don't get it. Nah. <laughs> take that. Go on, take that one back. I'm I'm not I'm not accepting that. We all know why. <laughs> Go listen to our, uh, our Black Quarterbacks podcast. We describe Teddy Simpson as Patrick Mahomes, the person That's that That's cool. I'm going to have Raven come on over and slap you so she can take your power, nigga. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's dope. The description me and Matt came up was dope. So basically go over there and listen to that, the top uh, co- Black quarterbacks and who they would be in regular life. And Teddy is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> we made a direct uh, – uh, besides his personal stuff, we're talking about – because Teddy would be the nicest guy. Everybody loves him, and he's at everybody's wedding. And he also brings through food and drink to your parties. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably true. And, and, and even if he barely knows you. <laughs> even if I barely know. That, that might be true. Yeah, hey, see? You, you, you can come over to my house. I mean, I've been married for a couple of years. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool, man. I can, I can come over. Just, I, it ain't going to be alcoholic drink, though. <laughs> we, 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 we going to be on some Oh, Teddy, work. get all your mixes, all your ice. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So we got these couple episodes. First of all, I want to give props to Raven, who – Gave a prediction earlier, and I, I was like, me and Teddy were like, uh, I didn't, I don't know about that, son. Didn't make sense. Literally, didn't see it. <laughs> didn't see I was it. Blinded. Yeah, I thought it was pretty obvious that Christina and William were the same person. I'm like, are we what not watching the same show? Well, there were so many different hints. I get, but it didn't make sense, at least Why to not? me, because then if she was if. Why not just be William and be in the order? But I wasn't thinking that William was her brother because then everybody would have known that William isn't alive, so then they would know it was her. I think mm-hmm. that that's the part that threw me. I mean, it was an intentional misdirect, right? It's like because, like you said, had had they had they turned into it, it would have been a better play for her just to pretend to be William and join the order in the first place. But for her just to become William, so she could sit in the room and observe, because her father would have to know that she's not William. Right? Exactly. So it just, yeah, it, it was an intentional misdirect. And they got us. Good, good call, Raven. Yeah, definitely good call. So my thing is, so do you, I mean, going to what you just said, though, uh, Scott, do you think that her father knew that that wasn't her? I mean, that, that they were the same person? No, I think he would have to. I mean, it, presumably all the magic that she knows, she learned from her father or some, mm-hmm. deri- some, some derivative of that. So for her, for, for the secret order, to have all order members there besides these three black people who just showed up, who presumably you know had some, um, had some had some lineage that made them significant, just some random other dude showing up. Like, like there's no way, other way for to explain William's presence if her father didn't know that it was her, and he was just saying, okay, well look, you can come and sit in. You know, you put on a little cloak to be, become a dude, and you know now we just let you sit in the room, but. Mm. Like nothing else makes sense. Like how else would he found? How else would he have found that? Been interested in order, had had that uh, had that insight to participate in the whatever le- level he participated in, even though he had no other reason to be there other than being her friend. Good point. So Raven, how did you come up with that that ahead of time? You just thought it was obvious, or? Yeah, I mean, there were several comments that William and Christina made. Um, William in particular, before that order meeting, he said um, something to um, Journey Smollett's character about, you know, unfortunately, it's men only. And the way that he said it, that was kind of the first hint that I had um, Mm. that, you know, there was some type of feeling about, you know, um, uh, inequality between men and women. And it seemed like William cared a little bit too much. And then it was just like, you never saw them in the same room together. Um, and then there's, you know, there were women's clothes hanging in William's closet. Um, you know, so there were a few different things that kind of made me think that pretty early on. I didn't know this at all. I didn't yeah. know none of that. That made, wow, that, that was, <laughs> I, mean, like, I didn't notice any of this to you just said this. <laughs> I noticed when William said it, but I thought it was, uh, more of like a, like she's his, People assume that he was his brother, and I think I, somebody had said early online that that William in the book was his, a man. Her but, yeah, as a man as her butler. Yeah. So I thought it was that sort of relationship, like that Alfred sort of, the Alfred to Batman sort of situation, where they're just always in this protection mode. Yes. But um, 
I guess the thing that I, that threw me off, and I couldn't, I had to go back and watch all those episodes, but I didn't know if William was ever in the same place as the other people in the order. Like, I always remember him being on the outskirts, like when, you know, Tick and him arrived, or, uh, you know, when he roughed up those police officers, whatever. But I don't know if he was ever around during that, um, during the time that the, the order was, like, in session. Mm-hmm. I have to address something. He was in no way Alfred to Batman like that. He was in no way playing that role because Alfred's role to Batman was way more gangster than what this was. <laughs> I have to come to Alfred's defense on that one right here. <laughs> I mean, they got that Alfred series they dropped and they already dropped those. Was, I think it's on Epics or somewhere. It shows the life of Alfred before he became the butler. Uh-huh. And he's supposed to be like an MI6 agent or something sure. or something crazy like that. He's gangster for real. I've never seen so, the show saying Alfred's gangster. So with that, like, I think that episode was, um, and that's episode, we're talking about episode five. That one was a very, very, I like, like, like every episode is almost a different movie. I feel like a different concept of a different movie every time. And I think that's the beauty of it, that every time you come to an episode, you get this, mm-hmm. you're seeing some kind of different motif of a, of a story. It's the Hardy Boys with the overarching thing. That's a good example. Yes, the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys. Um, it's episode five with her turned into being white. And I get and the whole thing that was kind of dope was she was realizing that maybe she didn't want to be white or was it or what did y'all think about her like kind of rejecting the whole thing of being someone else for that long, first loving it and then kind of rejecting it? Um, I think most black people love being black. Yeah. Um, you, we don't love the oppression. So I think that she appreciated the opportunity to walk around truly free, but um, especially when they were showing the scenes where she went to the, the black bar, you know, you still want to be amongst your own people as you, mm-hmm. um, you know, but she still wanted to see what it felt like just to live with, um, you know, the benefits that white women live with every day. So, but I think she still probably loved being black more. And I think that's the way most of us feel. I mean, did y'all think it was interesting that she, uh, that, and this is something, and I'll let you go in a second, Scott, but everybody think about this. Is it that when you clone someone, they have to be dead? Almost kind of like where, because the other woman, that was basically the other woman that was the dog cat the, with the with the, the dogs and stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes, same hey, here. Did she die in episode, was it three, two or three? Two. Two. She was in the, in the windmill or whatever. Right, but did she die? I mean, I know that he. Hit I, her. I thought she. I mean, I'm assuming she died. Uh, this because, uh, because the uh, the real William, I guess, is dead. Mm. So that's why, because I guess they didn't know that the real William wasn't dead. I guess that other lodge. I think that story that she told about that he lost his place was real. Yeah, I don't know. That's not entirely clear. You know what what goes into them taking on a specific form. Um, but I mean, I think that's a, a reasonable theory that, you know, they, they are collecting something from somebody who was once living to, um, you know, carry out the spell of transformation or metamorphosis. Go ahead, Scott, you were talking about, we were talking about the, uh, the, the, the changing up, the being a black and uh, being white for the moment. Well, I mean, I, I thought, I thought it was, I personally thought it was an interesting take on a journey that was more linear for us to follow. So it's easy for us to follow. She woke up, she's white, she can get this job. Uh, she she overheard, you know, her white coworker saying things about black people that they may or may not have said in front of her, but they still wanted to go on the wild side, so to speak, or to go into those black neighborhoods. And then there was the, you know, the, the shoe rape scene, which was, uh, which was a lot. But I felt like that narrative- My favorite was, scene. <laughs> But I, I felt like that narratively was a misdirect from what was happening with Michael K. Williams. So Michael K. Williams, in the same episode, after the end of episode four, he murders the uh, the person that was in the in the tombs that came back to life. Mm-hmm. And I believe the only thing he actually said in that episode was when they asked about um, the person from the tombs, he said, she's gone. There's two things I thought was important about that. A, he gave a gender identifier to she when they made it a point to show that they were a hermaphrodite and had mm-hmm. sexual organs. 
And then, you know, we assumed that it was because he was trying to protect his son from whatever it is that's happening with this mag magical order. But then the rest of the episode, all we see him go on his own sexual exploration and freeing himself to whatever, you know, whatever confines or restraints he thought he had to have because he was a, you know, a gay man in the 50s or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, it took a little bit, it took a little bit of a turn because now we see on one hand, Ruby is expressing herself um, culturally by showing her dominance to the white guy she raped with the shoe. But then conversely, um, Michael K. Williams' character is expressing himself sexually and, and, and coming to grips with himself. So I feel like the reason he killed the a person in the tombs wasn't the same reason we all, the conclusion we all jumped to. And I felt like everything else that we could kind of follow just linearly was a misdirect for that. Very similar to how they did the shape shifting stuff earlier, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was just, that was my little take. That's it. Um, I think it was just one of those moments uh, where you you had that realization that everything that glitters ain't gold, right? Like, you know, it kind of knocked down all of her reasons for not being able to get to this position or get what she wanted while she was black. You know, and I think that was the whole point of like when they had the conversation about the uh the young black woman that got the job who got it literally just because she applied. Um, you know, and it made her upset because all the stuff that she was giving herself or like telling herself why she couldn't get the job was because basically got wiped out the window when the young girl gave her reason why she was because you know when she was a white woman interviewing for the position number one he gave her the director's the manager's position over all the entire department but when she talked about all the, the list of credentials that she did or that she had it, it was nothing compared it was way more than what old girl had at the counter so she seemed surprised like you know i feel like she even asked a question like you know did she do this 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 and that and he was like oh no you know she didn't the people didn't have that those sort of conditions that she had so to me it made it seem like she did all this stuff to prepare to get this position and none of that was necessary which is probably part of the reason she was angry right mm. Like then, none, of, none of that means anything. None of that, none of that means anything. Well, it was just like, you know, it was like, the you know, idea that black people have to go above and beyond to go above and beyond. be in the same space as white folks. And it wasn't true because the person they hired had the exact same, same, same criteria. But like Raven was saying, the other thing too, I think they were also trying to play on the fact like, she her speech was still confined regardless of where she was going so when she went in there she as a woman she still couldn't say a lot then she gets around people and because she's a black woman posing as a white woman they're making black comments and she can't say anything because it gives away her position right mm -hmm. so I think a lot of that is just again you know um, everything unless you know unless you were like specifically a white person like all the way through soul and all so you know at the end there's that whole catharsis she she says forget it i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm bust out and i'm gonna let you have it for everything that you've been saying everything you've been thinking and then it also makes me think about what we were talking about earlier his re dude's relationship with black women because though now i don't i i think me and you read the situation differently but when she the Ruby asked the white women had dude tried anything with them and they were like oh no like they just posed him up as a you know a good Christian man who doesn't really do anything he's all about his business but the moment they go out the one person is on he's on the one person he can manipulate the most which was the black girl right and she bit him in the lip and she ran the young one right Right, but that's why, that's why I thought she got that job. I didn't think it was a lack of qualifications. I thought he was sexually attracted to her. Oh, that's probably part of it. And he too. gave her the job because he, you know, that, that's, why, that's why I got out of it. I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's, that's what I took out of it. What did you all think about her interactions with the black woman um, as the white woman? I love that's it. what I was talking about. 
Yeah, so I, I thought it was interesting because I think there are often like well-meaning white women who think they're giving you good advice that's not <laughs> necessarily race-based. And so I was trying to listen to her and, you know, look at her as Ruby giving this advice and not this white woman. And it was kind of hard to separate it because um, I've had very similar interactions. And I always wonder, like, would I be receiving this information differently if it was a black woman saying it to me? But that was kind of the point, though, right? Like yeah, that's, right. That's, that's what they did. Yeah, the whole yeah, point of it say, hey, I want to show the audience that she's, in fact, a black woman and she's saying these things, but look how it feels coming from a white woman. And even yeah. Ruby herself, being a black woman and a white woman's skin, had to take a second, a beat, and go, hold up. How's this sound coming from me? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I was wondering, do you guys have similar interactions? Like, you know, with white men trying to give you advice that you might receive a different way if it was coming from a black man, even though they're the same words. Absolutely, all the time. Oh, 100%. <laughs> More of anything I run into is the idea of, of the, the thing that white people giving you advice, assuming you don't know it already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you, or you don't have any basis of knowledge already. Like, they don't, they don't be like, well, you know, if you put your money in a savings account, you get 2.2%. Uh, like, okay, like, I didn't even... That's this a bit, but why'd you assume I wouldn't know about a savings account? Like basic shit. When I was right. when I at a college, I went on an interview and I handed them my resume, and they read the resume and looked at me, and I'm there in a suit at the time of the interview. And so, <laughs> at the time of the interview. Sure? Are you sure? Am I sure that's my name? Like you're just randomly interviewing for people's jobs with their resume? Like just you, you, you yeah. can't get resume. Posing, man. You're over here posing, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as an attorney who, you know, practices employment discrimination, um, you know, I, when I get these race based claims in, I'm like, did, are you believing that this was racial because of what you perceive the person's motive to be based on your race? Like, if, so if you would receive the information differently based on the race of the person giving it, at one point, does your own sort of subconscious bias or conscious bias factor into the way that you perceive? Um, whether somebody is racist. Yeah, but I mean, America don't really get the benefit of the doubt today, right? I'm saying like, like I mean, like, like today, like today, you can't say, oh, well, you know, maybe you're just being super sensitive. Actually, I'm not like Breonna Taylor. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, like, there's just, there's just tons of things that happen every day that the benefit of the doubt say, to say a situation isn't racist, mm -hmm. I, it, it, I think it's, it's lost on it. And it. There are things that my parents and my sister and my family can say to me that I could say, even though it pisses me off, is, is, is a constructive criticism. Somebody I barely know trying to give me life advice based upon you know, a couple moments with me, a couple interactions with me, it, it seems a little disingenuous. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just thought it was interesting. What's um, it? You know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it can be, it's weird. Like they can be giving life advice and it, sometimes it'll feel like charity because they feel bad about what's going on. Right. You know, I don't know. I feel like it go, it can go a number of different ways. I think for me, nine times out of 10, I'm like, I'm questioning like why I'm getting this, you know, information. Like, is this, are you literally telling me this? Like, cause you feel like it's going to help me or does it, is there like a superiority complex? Like, cause you feel like you need to pass some shit down. You know what I'm saying? Or, are you legitimately trying to help me? But it's it's weird because when in the workplace, America thrives off of competition. So very rarely is somebody trying to, like, unless, you know, that's going to make them look good. Are they going to be passing down knowledge that's going to be helpful for just you? Right? If someone is actually your professional mentor, that's a different conversation, right? You can at least say that the nature of that relationship puts them in a position to give you, you're literally asking them for their advice and guidance. But when you look at situations where just unsolicited, let's just talk about the business world, unsolicited advice. Well, I mean, how many times you're in the, uh, how many times you're in a room or you're in a meeting and someone just thinks you're there because you are the affirmative action hire or you're the diversity pick or, you know, oh, well, or, or that you weren't qualified, you got the job somehow because of whatever circumstances they, they imbue on you. But conversely, if nepotism happens for them, you know, he's a good guy, you know, I vouch for him, you know, he's my, my, my uncle's kid, this, that, and other. I mean, so, I mean, you see all these different variances of this, of, of, of this play out 
in the business world all the time, Wells Fargo. Talk about how they <laughs> yeah. didn't have, there weren't enough diverse candidates, right? Wells Fargo's been they're doing a shit job running this bank for the last decade, but all of a sudden, yeah. they can't hire any qualified black people, you know? Because that, that just, that's just a sentiment that exists. And when you see a CEO of a major bank who's already had racial discrimination and lawsuits come out the last couple of years, still feel comfortable enough two days later, uh, two days ago, saying that, hey, there's not enough qualified black candidates. <laughs> Even though we got black people in our ranks, right. Exactly. It just doesn't, you just don't get the benefit of the doubt yet. I mean, like, wow. it just don't get the benefit of the doubt. Dang, no, that's real. Yeah. Dang, yeah. It, and it's interesting even more how th that character, like, w when she found out, she w it's like she was shocked and upset, but then she wasn't at the same time. She was like, because I've been doing it too. Like, <laughs> I've been taking this too. So, therefore, I shouldn't be surprised that you were, were somebody else as well. I, you, you've been putting me on game. You know, obviously, you've been doing it as well. Um so let's dive a little bit more into like this last episode, episode six, and we'll come back to kind of everything together. Four, I kind of felt it was like Indiana Jones's. I didn't feel like it was too, you know, too much, but it was just like a big epic adventure. Besides the fact, uh, the idea that the, that the elevator went all the way to Boston, me and Ted talked about that. <laughs> How the elevator went all the way to Boston, I guess. Yeah. Or that cavern went all the way to Boston. Well, there's obviously some sort of magic involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll show them niggas hitting the portal then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you took the Underground Railroad. It was there like 15 minutes. And they were walking. Right. Uh, so episode six, uh, Ted, the, the, uh, the, what I said about it when, when I told you to watch it, was it kind of with exactly what you, what I, what you said, what I said? Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of it threw me for a loop a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, I I just like the fact that it shows people like they're it's real. I don't want to say it's hard. Well, right now, the only people that really don't have like a I don't know a tainted past, and by tainted I mean like their actions, what they're doing, and maybe we haven't got into it yet, is like Ruby or the black women, right? Like you look. I at mean, do, what about um um Journey's uh role? That's what I'm talking about. Context, how did you describe it, Daryl? Oh, yeah, so, no, so, I was, I called Ted, so basically I said it is, it's, it's not the most exciting episode, but it's the biggest character development episode, okay. I feel like, especially for Tick on the back end, but as well as, it was basically Mrs. Saigon, I felt, with, um, with a, with a, um, a mystic, uh, experience to it, so it had that feel of Mrs. Saigon, okay. you know, of type of field, but it was it was a deeper and it 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 was made more development of what's going on and how we got to where we are instead of like oh it's action packed it's crazy shit happened. Okay. I mean that was crazy shit that did happen obviously, but it wasn't like hitting you like the other episodes have been. Nigga, she turned out to be she was Naruto, dog. That was that was what I was trying to figure out. The name. Is that the name of it? Is that the name of it? Naruto. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I mean, but, but yo, I mean, Raven, what did you think about the, this last episode? Can we back up real quick though, because to cover the Indiana Jones episode? <laughs> yeah, go back, go back, go oh, yeah. What happened to Hippolyta and D at the <laughs> the end? Um, and I, I hope that I expect they're going to go back to that. I guess according to the previews, they they are for episode seven. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just wanted to talk a little bit about the what's the solar system thing called that that Hippolyta had. Um, that's, what, that's what the blonde woman is looking for. That's right. right. What is it called? I'm sorry. I forget. Anyway, um, but there's also a call back to Wonder Woman and her mom. Have you all heard anything about that or have any thoughts on oh, that? Oh, so you think it's an Amazonian thing that we're finna get in this next episode? Right. It looked yeah. like it in the in the previews. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But anyway, uh, to answer your question about this, uh, the last the Dora Milaje. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm excited about the next one. Um, but about this past episode, Scott, what are what is she called? I forgot the the, the demon she was turned into. Uh, and the show, I forgot what it's called, but uh, on, on the, in the Japanese anime, Naruto, she's called the Kui B. 
Yeah, but, okay. it, it, but it's, it's an Egyptian version of it. Uh, what is the one? Is it is it succubus or like it's an Egyptian Greek version of that too? I was trying but, to figure out that was on American Gods. Well, I know what you're talking about, but that was a, she was a goddess. But this one was different. I mean, the same in the idea of like taking the souls, but this was like a. It started with a K, I think. Yeah. But it was it, like basically it was like a fox with nine tails, right? Yeah. And those so those things coming out of her body were the nine tails, which also I thought was dope because based in I don't know is it uh, mysticism? Well, they always talk about the nine orifices of the body, so mm -hmm. I wonder if those were like directly correlated. Yeah. Um. Do you all think that if she if she did take Tick's soul, if she did capture a hundred souls, was that truly going to lift the curse? I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think so. I didn't think so either. Um, but I think the most interesting um, thing about the episode is that she. I'm sorry. Kimoko. Thank you. Kimoko, um, yeah. She was able to see his future. Um, you know, as part of that, and I was I wanted to go back and look at those little scenes, but. It seems that, you know, Tick has some other lovers, and I don't know if they were either before or after Journey Smollett. Um, so I, I need to go back and look at the episode again. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering, did they basically come out that he was lying and he wasn't a virgin? Like, uh... No, so when, from the minute she pushed him off of her, I think she started seeing his future and not his past. Okay. So okay. I think she was seeing everything that was going to occur after he left uh, Korea. Um so it, and there was another lover he had that was somebody other than um, Journey Smollett. And I know if that was from the time he was in Florida before he went back to Boston. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I forgot I what your question was. I wanted the Virgin Game. I was like, man, huh? that was vicious. So he played that Virgin Game, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, man, he's doing it big. Uh, you already got it though, bro. It was already gonna happen. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what to make you think you was innocent? Just land it on the baby. Good grief! You, you you put extra icing on the cake for no reason. <laughs> right? He's, he's like, oh, you really want me to meet your mama? Okay, I got it. Uh, I don't know. I looked at it like I was wondering if she saw because I didn't know if I necessarily saw him die. I mean, I saw him being suspended. Yeah. Whatever that device was, and I was wondering. I was like. I wonder if this, if it, if it just shot up to when he was put up on, uh, you know, they used him for that gateway at the house. That's what I thought that she thought he was going to die. I didn't think that it was like he's going to die again. I thought that she right. only saw it up to that point of him in, in Boston. Right. I thought but that no, maybe but that, that suspension scene looked different from when he it was did. in the It did. I think that's the same thing. Unless, it, I mean, maybe he's about to run him to another order and then mm -hmm. go try it again. Yeah, I mean, we know that there's that whole town of them in Boston. Right there. What was what was up with his? Was he? Did he like half monkey or something? Who? In episode five, when Ruby was in the closet with that dude that was locked up, that was hanging up, or hanging on his. They had him hanging up on by. Yeah. Like the the sheriff came in and changed his shirt, and like his shoulders and torso were dark. Like was he a monkey or was he part black? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, because he was like yeah. I was wondering. Yeah, he was like shaded. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was that? Yeah, I don't, I, he was dead though, and they brought him back to life. Is that your? The sheriff was. No, no, no. The guy that they had tied up in the closet. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He 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 had a lot going on with him too. And we no, had, no. Yeah, I'm talking about the actual <laughs> sheriff. He went in there. And oh. Said, she was planting that um whatever it was. She needed to plant at his desk. He came. I need to see because you because it, it looked like he was a monkey or ape or something. Yeah. Maybe he was. Maybe he, you know. I need to look at it because I I had thoughts about that. And I, I wonder. I need. To, I can't remember if it was hair or did I think it was burns? Because I was thinking about him being at the the explosion of the big house. Oh, it could be burns because but maybe he's the only one that was there. He because he knew about the bodies. He knew about the bodies and all that. Because maybe he was there, like you said, when the house burned up. When the house burned up, but that was just my. I wasn't sure. I didn't because if he looked like the dude off of you know uh, Umbrella Academy, then. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Then it might be a little different. It's not, now, now you can't do this, guy, because now you got me thinking all they doing is stealing from Japanese anime. So you got Goku, you got Naruto. <laughs> we got to see what's next. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to go back and look at it. Did you all look at? Um, did you all look at Tick differently after episode uh, six? No. 
I did a little. Well, I looked at him as um, I thought it was just kind of a, a a a telltale of like what they say happens to you when you go into the you know when you go to war, right? Especially as you know, you brainwashed. So he's just kind of like doing whatever he's told to make it. Not not to mention he's not allowed to you know come back home and be received as everybody else is going to be. Right. So he's just, he's just doing whatever he can to survive and, you know, uh, make what he can make while he's there. I don't even know if it was, I mean, he said he admitted it though. He's like, you know, I've done some things I'm not proud of, but you know, you being in the army, that's almost expected. Right. What about yeah. you, Scott? You, 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 did your, did your perception change of him from after I mean, the facts to what He's a little bit more sucker than I expect him to be. Uh, but mm. as far as like the as far as the violence goes, because I mean, if you look, <laughs> you saying that because he's a virgin? Well, no, not just because he's a virgin. How 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 quickly he went from not caring about any of the women that were in that situation. Oh. They were definitely <laughs> to be like, oh, I'm so in love with you, and I never felt this way, and I'm crying about it. like, oh, that's that's pretty pretty fast. I mean, like, hey, he so, was trying to get something before he died. Again, like I said, so much sucker. Like it was way too much sucker. <laughs> <laughs> he could just got a comfort woman and got it, you know, got it, got it out, you know. Um, I, I mean, like the violence part. I mean, it, it's what I expected. I mean, you know, Korea was no one. Re, no one talks about nice stories from Korea. <laughs> yeah, so. that's real. You think that he just he did? Go ahead, Ray. No, just I just thought it was a little bit inconsistent with what we know about his character so far, but. Um, I honestly don't think there's been a whole lot of character development throughout the show. So I think we're, we're still learning something, you know, about him, but from what we know so far, it just seems inconsistent. I would think he would have been a little bit more self-righteous um, in those moments of being asked to kill, you know, <laughs> kill women for their beliefs. Um, but I mean, it added some more depth to him, but it's still kind of unexplained. And I, I'm, I still don't know how I feel about him. I thought it was, I think that's a good point, though, and maybe that's 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 you know his arc is him becoming a little more self righteous because he's kind of got to deal with the same thing, being being black in America. Uh, but I thought the reason why he attached so hard to uh, a girl was because he found somebody. Basically, they bonded over nerdiness, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to he wants her to read the book of uh, what was it? Count of Monte Cristo. Right. You know, she's talking about the movie. So they're kind of into the same things. And maybe he's not finding that, you know, because it seems like that was kind of the what I got from him up until that point was that, you know, he's just, you know, he's into sci-fi. He's like, you know, he's he's blurred in the 50s. And there's really not, outside of his family, he does not, there's really not many people that are matching him on that level. And to run into somebody that, you know, can he go back and forth with it. He's like, I need to hold on to this, at least while I'm here. I feel you on that. I think that's why it didn't bother me. Because, in fact, he fell in love with a Korean fox demon who is his <laughs> souls out doing sex. And he is the ancestor of white wizards you know what I'm saying? that are trying to bring they're trying to bring Eve, I mean, uh, the Garden of Eve, Eden on Earth after him fighting, you know, I'm also fighting like haunted houses. So it's like, I've seen so much. It's like him just liking some woman because she like she read the Count of Monte Cristo. It, I was always, I was the whole time I was sitting there waiting like, okay, well, maybe it's the fact that she has this demon connection that makes him resonate. And maybe that, that makes him, you know, like I was expecting something a little bit more metaphysical than just, oh, she likes the same but- like, like, you, did, like, you bring up a good point, though. You bring up a really good point. But, uh, I, I'm surprised he was shocked about everything that's going on right now in his life. Like that's with, what I'm saying. <laughs> he ain't shocked. I think that's the whole point. I think is that why he was under pressure? When he was like, "Oh no, no, I got this." What we got to do is when he was in the house, like he was exactly. So- <laughs> Dude, you just you just have to bump an uglies with a fox demon that tried to take your soul right before you let one off, and mm-hmm. now you know. After that, Scott's no. The you can't get scared no more. Oh, it's some white supremacist ghosts in here. We're good. It's fine. Oh, there's an underground cavern that's been abandoned since Harriet Tubman went through this motherfucker. It's cool. I know exactly where all the boulders are coming from. Right? right? Yeah. Like, I, we got 
uh, gophers chasing us with a million eyes. It's cool, you know. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it provided a little bit more context as to why he called her from the mansion, where you know that encounter with her is probably the most fucked up mm. shit he had ever seen. And now, he, <laughs> hmm, maybe she ain't so bad. There's some real <laughs> fucked up shit going on in this world. But like, man, yeah, we you, can make this work. Man, I'm sorry. It's like when you break up with a girl, and you like, dang man, it's bad out in these streets. Let me call her back. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, it makes the fact that he slept with Journey Smollett so much up more weird because he he slept with a woman who was a fox demon when he had no expectation that that was the world he lived in. After the vampires, after the white supremacist wizards, then he was still just trying to let's get it in in a haunted house. Like, it's like, yo, bro, like, the thirst is a, t a tad too strong for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think with, with Journey, he was just looking for something regular, right? Like, you know, he's, a matter of fact, he was trying to avoid that whole you know, interaction between them for a little minute. I, you know, stuff got repressed. He caught her in the right moment. Now, you know, that's that's a that's a that's a hard bridge to get over it. The PTSD of almost getting murdered by demon tails. And hey, eyes and ears and nose. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if 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 it's, if that wop is that fire, there's I don't know how many other ways that you want to go out. She's a virgin, though. She, he, 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 no, 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 not Journey. He talking, he talking about I'm talking, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, hey, I did, too many people can say they had Fox Demon Wop. That's all I'm saying. And, and live to tell about And live, and live to tell about it. The very short list. <laughs> Fox Demon Wop. Fox yeah, Demon Wop. He, he probably had a Bardo drink. I mean, man, have you had this? Have you had a, a Fox Demon Wop? And you know what the first question was? So was what? it Harry? Right. I it was. <laughs> it, 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 like, 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 it engulfed me, man. It engulfed me. Bro. <laughs> yeah. you imagine going to the bar trying to tell your fellas about what happened. Yo, bro, yes. what happened? To me. And then you tell the thing that didn't happen. Like, it's like, oh, like oh, nigga, so Scott, he had like tail coming out her ears, so you bro, think about and Scott, it tickled the, my uh, butthole a little bit. I like Scott, it. Scott, that Asian that. dude that was his homeboy, <laughs> he can't go back to him. You're like, man, so you you just getting back, so what happened? Like, what do you say? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. We're out the house bucket naked, like his clothes, his arm. Can you imagine in the fifties a black dude running down the street naked with some GI uniform? Like, it's like it's a whole bad situation over there. Completely. With it. <laughs> yeah, the ramifications of Tick with this is, is, is definitely bigger than I originally thought with this whole hey, thing. Hey, and the worst part is, ain't nobody like you said, ain't nobody he could share this with, even if they did. He can't even tell nobody. I wonder if he nope. told his uncle on an off-camera thing of like, hey, um. I've been through no. some crazy shit already. I got this. Nah. Like, I already nah, had ain't no way. <laughs> they, they, they submitted him to the insane asylum. You died with the lie. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about after you've seen these, uh, these, no, 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 I'm talking about after you, we, we, we jumping off all this stuff and, you know, after the, uh, the vampirist, uh, things, uh, the white supremacist vampire things, do you, do you think he told his uncle, like, look, there's some other stuff that happened to me before. Or you think that, because uh, yeah, obviously, remember they said he, they thought he had PTSD before when they were uh, when they got their mind sweeped. So he probably was like, I can't tell nobody nothing there. They yeah, experience oh. this and don't believe it. When it's sexually repressed as people are in general, and then you talk about you over at the war and some chick you fell in love with is, had had Fox Demon pussy. Hey, hey. I was just it. thinking that. You can't do it. <laughs> he, can't, he can't even open up to Journey Smollett. He's, she was like, so you almost gave me genital fleas, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> do that. No. You can't do it. You got to just sit on that one. You got to convince yourself that that shit didn't really happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, completely. <laughs> so do y'all think these are uh, like, so uh, how many lodges did they say they were? Um, 34? It's 34. Yeah, like so. that, yeah. So basically, thirty-four. At the, so basically, thirty-four major cities. Almost basically, I was. I would probably venture to say. Yeah. Sound about right. Yeah. Seems, seems like a good. Although the first lodge wasn't a major city; it was in the middle of fucking nowhere, uh, Connecticut, right, or Maine. No, Massachusetts. That's exactly. That's exactly. But I'm saying, but it, I mean, it'd be like saying like you in Wentzville. You know, what I'm saying like it's it's a part of it's it's close to a major city. Is is there a major city in Connecticut? No, in Massachusetts. It's in Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts. Okay, Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Massachusetts ain't big at all. I mean, that's a that state's it's biggest from here to Columbia. So that's an area that. But so with the with the y'all, uh, what are y'all thoughts on Journey's Smollett's kind of arc with with Tick? You know, like when we talk about women in this show, I think the 
I think the sexual relationships are the least interesting parts of the show. Like it's so much other stuff. Like I me, mean, like like the what's the relationship between Journey and her brother and sister? What happened with her mother? Who's her father? Is her father's you no? Know, does she have different parents than her other two siblings? Like it's like the the stuff about boy meets girl, you know, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. Like that that seems like the least interesting part of that relationship. Like the the backstory, like Raven said, there's not a lot of character detailing and character buildup, so it kind of leaves you want more as far as you know. Well, who are these people? Like, why have these particular set of people? Because it's one thing for uh, her name escapes you, the blonde woman, to give Tick. Christine. What's her name? Christine. Christine. Yeah, it's one thing for her to give Tick money because there's possibly a you know familiar relationship here. But why choose Journey? Like Journey was just a tag along. You know, had had they not been attacked by those white supremacists with the pickup truck, she very well could just stay with her brother and not been along for the rest of the ride. So why choose her? in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. So why choose her to give all that money to so she could buy this house looking for some ancient artifact that he believes Tick's family has? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think she's had a character arc yet, I, or at least I hope not. And she's a really boring character. Um, but, you know, we do know that um, she and Ruby have different fathers. And didn't Ruby say her dad was white or she was... Her, see, I know she's, we, I she see, I think she's her, Yeah, I think she is too. I know Ruby referred to her as her half-sister and she made that, you know, very clear when she was talking to that. Christina William. Um, yeah, no, she said, she's like my sister. She said my half-sister. Like she put an emphasis on it. So there's some feelings of, you know, I don't know what, what they're based on. She has some feelings about... Um, what is Journey's smallest character? I don't know why I cannot remember her name. Uh, is it Tisha or Tisha? Tisha or Let Letty. That's what they're called. Letty. Yeah, it's Letitia. I think is her real name. But Raven, record what you just said again and put some stank on it. Was your half sister part? You know, put some stank my, half, my half sister. Yeah, put some stank right. on. Roll your neck. So y'all don't think she has? You don't think she has had an arc yet? No, Who? I hope not. You talking about? You talking about oh, Letty? Yeah, my, wife, my wife introduced a piece of information that we all forgot. Okay. Her name is Letitia Motherfucking Jenkins from episode two. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Letitia Motherfucking Jenkins, right? <laughs> so is her last name Jenkins that she took? I'm, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I know there are white Jenkinses, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they owned a bunch of slaves. That's why. Right, right, but, but we have taken that over. We have taken Jenkins has become black. <laughs> and she said they owned it. They, they they owned all the slaves. Apparently, that's the, yeah. because yeah, it's a lot of Jenkins. Jenkins. Them three. <laughs> and Johnson, right? You said Johnson. And jo matter of fact, all we doing is just naming all the orders. The, the those are like four of the thirty-four orders. <laughs> Jenkins, Johnson, Smith. Johnson, they they all plantation owners coming throughout the United States. So what do y'all think? That, what I mean. Going forward with the show, what do y'all kind of think or envision or, or, or are you kind of like whatever? Are you confused going forward with what would potentially be happening going forward? There's a lot going on, but I the, the common theme that I'm seeing is that they've come up with ways to conquer or cope with all kinds of shit, for, you know, performing exorcisms, um, you know, <laughs> uh racist ghosts and um you know demons coming out of the ground or you know monsters and uh but then the biggest fear that everybody has is racism um and it, it's kind of an interesting um parallel to what we're dealing with today what about you Ted? um i mean i have no idea where this is headed like now that you're to drop some of this information i'm like damn I wonder if they've already been using this whole cloning situation to manipulate ticking them. Like, are they really just pulling the puppet strings? Cause I didn't even think about the whole house situation. Like how did, like what purpose does it serve for her to uh, get in the house? Like, why would she, why would she move this money to let Letty get this house? Like, why couldn't she get the house instead? If that was the case, if that's where they knew where it was. Yeah, why like, they just get themselves? And just to get you say what? Why they just didn't get it themselves and get it? Right, exactly. <laughs> if they, if it was necessary, like so. To me, that that sounds like there's some puppet mastering going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but going forward, man, I have I don't have the slightest clue, bro. Like it's so, like I understand like this last episode was a retro. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, 
I don't know. It's just I'm just watching it to see what happens at this point. It's hard to make guesses. All right, you Scott? Yeah, I'm with Ted. I um I can't make a prediction yet. The only prediction I can make is if we were to if six months from now, if we were to re rewatch this series, none of the things we've talked about at this point would have been important. I think each episode being a standalone narrative is a misdirect from some of the nuances that are also in those episodes. Again, the re like what was the purpose of Michael Michael K. Uh, Williams' character not really saying anything that whole episode? Like he like we we hadn't really got a whole bunch of character backstory. They alluded to him being gay a couple episodes earlier, and then in episode five they spent like you know a third of the episode you know him him exploring that you know um, he he specifically you know again he, he specifically called um, I forgot forgot the name but the the uh, the the person that was in the the tombs. He gave her a he gave her a female pronoun, and we with, and he goes to the you know this drag bar and he has this whole awakening and it didn't really line up for how little we learn about any of the other characters previously. We spent a ton of time with Letty, we spent a ton of time with Tick, we spent a ton of time with his father and, and Ruby, and we don't know much about them at all other than just the small interactions. They spent a whole bunch of time doing that, and I feel like again if we rewatch this episode more of the stuff that seems subtle are going to have a more of an important role at the end of the, at the climax. Because what else could it be, right? Like we've already had white supremacist cops. We've had the white supremacist uh, wizards. We've had a haunted house. We've had, you know, uh, a wolf, a wolf woman. You know, we've had, you know, women skin chasers and stuff. And, you know, and so they're, they're all looking for this thing that we've seen before in the episode, but didn't really have any importance. And we've seen that globe like four or five times, right? It didn't seem important, but my episode seven is pretty much what they're looking for. And so I feel like they're, they've given us hints that we can't quite put together yet because we don't have enough information um, to really kind of project what's going to happen. But I, I think that's what they're going to do. I think it's going to be a, a huge, massive misdirect. Mm. So, what do we have? Two episodes left? Three. I mean, no, Three. four. Yeah, four. Ten, right? four? It's ten. Okay. It's four. Yeah. Okay, I thought there were only eight episodes. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> reassuring that we have four left because i was like they got a lot to cover in two episodes <laughs> um one other thing i've seen people commenting about is like whether or not we can trust christina um i don't think so i think that you know she has a completely selfish motive um mm -hmm. without any care for tick letty or anybody else um and i know that jordan peele does not like white savior shit so um i just see more evil representation from her Point. Yeah, I mean, I was I was wondering, even going even back farther, and this is something we could kind of close it out with, is and going to what you were talking about, Scott, with um with uh, Michael K. Williams' character, find out you really explained him being gay. Does it go back to the idea that t that uh, Courtney B. Vance is his dad, and that's all a, a misdirect thing of maybe you know he was maybe he was cheating on Hippolyta or you know or this was his girl before or something like that and it was it's a miss it was a misdirect to put it on him it's like yo you act like it's your kid nobody will think you're gay you know i can get off of this situation and not having a kid there but i'll be there all day every day and but then you see the way that he treats tick it's and i'm and this is not a mutually exclusive but it seems like he doesn't care at all. And it, of course it could be your blood and people don't care at all but i think they keep on showing like that this person is not his and that's why he is treats him the way he does and that's, and that's possible i mean my, michael k williams partner that we find it find out in episode five is one of the first people were introduced in episode one and it seemed like just a, a random thing it is yeah it's merely a random dude he was trying to meet yeah. mm -hmm. yep and then he wanted to have in this really important part in his, in his father's life that you know unbeknownst to us is the guy from you know episode one and, and they, they've, they've done several uh, several things like that throughout the season. And I feel like that's that's really the theme of the season. Since none of the individual narratives really tie together in a very definitive way thus far. Like every, like if you take out the events, if you take out the fact that certain people met in other episodes, the events that happen in episodes one and two other than meeting Christina and, every, you know, and introducing the characters, none of that stuff really has anything to do with what we're watching today. What do you think about that, Raven? Uh, the idea that Tick is um, Courtney B. Vance's uh, son, actually. 
I mean, they keep hinting at that, and I'm wondering why it matters one way or the other. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know one way or the other, um, you know, who Sonny is or, or why it matters. But I mean, I think it's completely a possibility that Courtney B. Vance is his dad. But I've also heard some predictions that he's not actually dead. Um, and that's mm. the only reason why I think there would be any, why that storyline would even be relevant. Um, oh, is it the idea that, that we haven't seen his body? Like they didn't bring his body back? That is that what is that what they're kind of going with? Yeah, that's what well, the commentary that I see is that you know we didn't actually see him die either. Um, so either that you know Michael K. Williams actually killed him, or he's not actually dead. Um, I don't know if I buy into that theory either, but I just think there has to be something more with Courtney B. Vance's character for us to care one way or the other who his real dad is. And he's on um, the cover. And he's on the poster for the show too. If he was, if he was just yeah. Be I mean that, and like one of the, I, I like look at IMDb after, you know all the time, and you kind of get spoilers that way. So I know that there are other episodes for his character. You know, they could just be flashbacks. But same thing for Tony Goldwyn. Um, you know, who uh, is Christina's dad? Um, I know that he's supposed to resurface in some other episodes too. So. Okay. Hmm. That's gonna be interesting. I didn't even think about that. He could be alive still. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't see the funeral. I mean, we we assumed because he was in the car that they brought him back. But what if they told Hippolyta that they buried him out? And they did though. They said they left his body there. Remember? I don't. That's why. That's why I think that the beginning of that episode they showing her like I got to go figure out what happened there and why he was left there. It's going to be used. They're going to do the same thing they just did with William and uh, uh, Ruby. Yep. Ah. You said it's going to be who? used as in this part of the metamorphosis so you you think that he's somebody else right now no, i'm saying that they use his form oh okay 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 use his form like okay. mm -hmm. wow that'd be interesting okay that's how they're gonna recover it's probably gonna be christina Damn. so once they to come back and take the thing off of hippolyta mm -hmm. oh that'd be ill <laughs> All right, let's wrap it on up. Raven, where can I hit you up at? You can hit me up on Instagram, Miss Culture, or Raven Akram on Facebook. I don't have Twitter or anything else. <laughs> Teddy. Uh, Theodore Simpson the Fourth on Facebook. Uh, no, nah, I don't do nothing on IG because I don't ever look out there. So. <laughs> Scott, where can I hit you up at? I don't social media. There you go. All right. <laughs> Everybody email us their questions, LandoCalPod at gmail.com. We'll be back in three episodes to cover more of Lovecraft Country. Peace.